Welcome back, everybody, to the NSO pod. He is Sterling Pingree. I am Tom Corbett. And the Cowboys are back to their winning ways. And the Patriots are on their way, hopefully, to a new quarterback in the NFL draft. I thought you were going to say, I mean, like, at least this was a, this was a regular loss. Like it was yeah. one possession, we scored a couple touchdowns. Like this was a regular loss. the The last two before that, Dallas and New Orleans, have been just soul sucking, crushing. I mean, any any bad thing that can happen to your soul was was really those eight quarters of football. Um, and it's- credit to Jim Nance for all of the kind of reverse jinxes he put out there. Like, oh, you know, the Patriots haven't scored in in almost ten quarters of football. They've had you know thirty nine possessions without scoring. Field goal, and then and then they got a field goal. All, like literally two plays later, they kick a field goal, snap the streak. Then they go, "Well, it's they've scored a touchdown. They've you know they've allowed what was it, uh, seventy nine unanswered points, and and the longest since the two thousand Browns, which was an expansion team. And and then immediately they scored a touchdown on that drive, and it's just everything he said was immediately contradicted, which I, I felt good. I mean, if only he could have said something like. Uh, and, you know, and and Mac Jones uh, like hasn't turned it around yet. You know, Mac Jones hasn't become Joe Montana yet. Uh, Sterling hasn't won Still the Powerball. Like I, Still I, has I need. Yeah, I, he hasn't said those things. And I'm convinced, though, if he did, that we would see a massive turnaround. Just, just out of spite. Just out of spite. Karma it, likes to spite Jim Nance. It seems fitting, though, that more than likely you end up being Brian Hoyer's last victory ever. You know, I mean, how? Do, yeah, I guess. I mean, though, I mean, who starts now for the Raiders? I mean, we don't know. It, which, by the way, like you saw the hit that knocked Jimmy G out. I'm not calling him out or anything, but I mean, Jelani Tavai didn't even like take him to the ground. He didn't. Yeah. You know, like it, it didn't look like he really drilled him in the. I mean, because they're calling it a back injury. One, he kind of hit him in the side. I, I don't know. I didn't really see what the injury was, especially for him to be taken to the to the hospital. I mean, you think, oh, was it a kidney thing? Do you take a, a random shot there? I don't Could know. Be, it, yeah. it, it struck me as very weird, but I, I don't know what his status is going to be going forward. So who knows? It could be Brian Hoyer time again, or Aiden O'Connell, or, or whatever Josh McDaniels decides to do. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it could always be worse. You could have, like, Deshaun Watson was cleared like three weeks ago, but it's just like, no, I'm not ready. Giving off real Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs vibes. Like, hey, what's going on? I'm seeing my doctors. I'm going to see my doctors. I don't don't want your doctors. Well, our doctors cleared you. Yeah, not my doctor. I can't remember who it was. I was listening to someone this week, and they said, "Uh, no, 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 he's he's really hurt. Like, there's belief in the locker room that, like, they, they know he's injured. Yeah, he he'd be out there if he could be. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's 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 fair through two weeks, especially when you come up with the biggest win uh, since the playoff game they beat Pittsburgh two years ago. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep going with that. That's a, a it's a strange situation to monitor. Feels like a Clay Buckholtz type injury. Yeah, he the latest from today is Deshaun said he can't put a timeline on a return. Well, to be fair, he's probably barred from getting any uh, physical therapy or any massage or anything, any treatment like that. So, I mean, really, he's... I'm sure he's, he's gonna, allowed he's, treatment by, like, 
a big dude robots? named Tank in the training facility. I bet it's robots with I bet cameras. It's all like elect- it's all electric stim put on by by like AI and robots. They're paying him enough money. They ponied up for a fancy massage robot. I was actually I was watching a speaker yesterday uh, who was speaking on the, the kind of future healthcare and like yeah I mean a lot of the surgeons now that people are requesting to have uh, robots and I'm like wait like now like we're doing robot surgery now and they're like oh yeah no it's it's quite common I'm like wait. Like, I feel like there's a lot of quote-unquote news in the world that isn't real news. We need to lead, like, the 6.30 Tom Brokaw show. I know it's not Tom Brokaw, it's Lester Holt, whatever. It's the Tom Brokaw show with, by the way, robots are doing surgeries. I've said it before and I say it again. It's like nobody paid attention to the Terminator series. I'm saying... That's all I can picture. Honest to goodness, that's all I can picture is like liquid chromium just performing. I mean, we've already got to the point like, hey, look, we created this to where computers can mimic people and their voices and what they look like. Like, hmm, seems like a nice step forward to robots taking over. Like, oh, how did they get access to all your stuff? Oh, they could just put your voice in. This is going to make it sound like uh, I'm way smarter than I am. I am not. I saw the first five minutes because I was watching a football game. But on 60 Minutes a couple weeks ago, one of the you know pioneers of AI was on there. And they he's, they pretty much asked him straight up, like, could AI take over? He goes, only if it, be, only if it became self-aware. I go, oh, okay. I mean, that sort of makes sense. And he goes, do you think it's becoming self-aware? He goes, not really right now. But it is stockpiling everything, and at some point, I believe it will. I'm like, oh, well, that's reassuring to hear. What you literally just talked around was, yes, AI could take over the world. Oh, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're going forward with this. 10-4. Great job. Thanks. Well done. I mean, you gotta, you got to think of, like, what, what was it all for? Like, what, what was John Connor fighting for? Where's I mean, John got, Connor now? I mean, how many people are in vehicles that can be driven by computers. Mm-hmm. Don't trust it. My car has parking assist. I would never use that. I feel weird in a vehicle that does the, uh, when you have cruise control and it like slows you down because it senses something near you. It still throws me. Mm. Don't trust the robots, folks. Uh, Anti-robot podcast. Anti-robots. Cowboys won to just no, no segue back to, uh, to football there in a decent game. Wait, 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 wait. Speaking of, all right, I'll, I got the segue for you. Speaking of artificial intelligence, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys won again. Dak played a great game. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to keep going. Dak had a good game. C.D. Lamb had another good game. Defense came up with some big stops. I still say uh, San Diego still might be the first team with a new head coach this year. I'm just put it. God, he just. 
Uh, and it's not, I guess, all on him. Herbert did not play well. It was his definitely like worst game of the year. Coming off a bye. They were coming off a bye and were just horrendous. But, hey, bounce back win on the road. Tough crowd, tough environment there in the in SoFi with the Chargers fans. Just loud and proud. Both of them or that one who apparently was a Vikings fan at some point. You know, I've said for a while, and I know it's kind of in vogue this week, everyone finally kind of questioning Justin Herbert. I mean, I've said for a little bit, I I understand the talent. I don't understand the Herbert buzz. Show me one big moment he's had where he's come through in like the fourth quarter in a big game. I would love to just see like his top because what I mean we're in year four yeah because he was draft class ahead of Mac Mac's in year three so we're in year four like what are his ten best games and I mean like just pure stat line like what what is he showing like oh how many you know five touchdown games does he have how many four touchdown games does he have does he throw in for you know a ton of passing yards. Tons of talent around him. No question about that. And does he elevate those guys? I mean, maybe. But, I mean, Keenan Allen, wherever Keenan Allen is, is going to be a star wide receiver. You know, Mike Williams. And the Chargers, I, I think, in a way, are just broken. You know, line plays, never been that good. Defensive, offensive. They have guys on defense. Guys are never healthy. I mean, I go back to you know, what I said you know, a week ago where you kind of wonder about the facility some of these teams are operating under or the ability to rehab guys because – uh, you know, Matt Slauson has spoken out you know, vehemently, and Danny Woodhead as well on when on their podcast, and they said, like the Chargers don't invest in guys, and by that they don't have trainers, they don't have enough nutritionists, they don't have you know facilities, equipment to to get guys back, and they are a team that feels like they have an inordinate amount of big injuries to key players, they can't get them back on the field. I mean, Derwin James goes out every single season, which. I mean, Derwin James is another one, uh, undeniable talent, but every time I watch him play, he gets a personal foul and two or three you know, penalties that are unnecessary. So uh, kind of in my mind, he hurts you as much as he helps you. I get he's, you know, a, a great, you know, kind of safety and a hybrid that experts, you know, fawn over, but I don't exactly get it. But the Herbert thing feels like it's a lot of potential. And I don't know how much we see on a week-to-week basis of that being realized, but I will let's mark this down as this is the first week that I think on a national conversation level, people are going, is Herbert regressing or is he not progressing? And, and why isn't he what we thought he was going to be? Because I really haven't heard this. This is one of those things that anytime the argument the last couple of years, people were calling him an internet quarterback because it's all about clips and you know these little things that you see out of him. And I think he does have a ton of talent. But I'm not putting him up in the anywhere near the Mahomes, Burrow. I mean, heck, even like, has he ever played to a level that Jalen Hurts did a year ago? I don't think Herbert's ever been there. Man. I don't think he's been where Josh Allen's been. I don't think he's been where Joe Burrow's been. I know he hasn't been where Mahomes has been. I don't know. He's had a rough last couple games. You know, only put up, what, 167 yards against the Raiders. One touchdown, one pick. 227 this week against the Cowboys. Two touchdowns, a pick. It was great before that against the Vikings. Had like 400 yards, three touchdowns. 
I think Brandon Staley is just not good. <laughs> and he's like he's supposed to be the defensive guy. And their defense is undisciplined and when it mattered most they got absolutely gashed by the Cowboys at the end of that game. Makes weird decisions and calls when it comes to going for it, not going for it. I just think he's not great. Um, Speaking of weird, some weird coaching stuff, Robert Sala, after the Jets pulled out a win, big win, great for them, won a just real sloppy, messy game against the Niners. Just went on an arrogant, for lack of a better word, I think. I think arrogant tirade about how great the Jets' defense is and quarterbacks can't do anything against them. Like, look at the numbers. Star quarterbacks can't do anything against us. Well, a couple games, they didn't need to because they were already up by a lot. And I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott threw 80% completions against the Jets in week two or whatever it was. I'm pretty sure Mac Jones beat you three weeks ago. I mean, I'm not saying Mac had an outstanding game, but... mm. Still won. But it was the most unexpected, like, post-game. Like, oh, okay, Jets got a big win. No doubt about that. Was not expecting the, yeah, look at us. Look at us. We are dominating every team possible on D. I'm like, aren't you three and three? Right. (laughs) It's like the Zach Wilson asterisk to be attached to that. I'm trying to think of, you know, I mean, like Mike Tomlin can be, not say outspoken, but I mean, he's one that, there's a certain brashness or, you know, I don't want to say arrogance, but I mean, brash might be the word, you know, cause Tomlin will speak candidly, you know, uh, John Harbaugh will speak, speak candidly. Uh, you know, even Pete Carroll from time to time, you know, like I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the guys who kind of get fired up for their, their guys. Even a guy like, you know, Mike Vrabel, who will say anything like is not afraid of being quoted, uh, accurately. I'm trying to think if any of these guys would say anything that approaches that. You know, would any of these guys say, yeah, I mean, you know, like, good quarterbacks can't beat our defense. It's like, oh, oh, really? Oh, you want to put that bulletin board material up there? We just saw that yesterday in the NLCS with the pitcher, was it Merrill Kelly for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, who's like, oh, yeah, Philadelphia's no big deal. Lives a, literally gives up a home run to the second batter of the game. It's like, you know, you put this bulletin board material out there. So you're right. You're three and three. Do you want to draw a target on your back? And I, I mean, found the right quote. Now, I found the quote, by the way, not to interrupt. He, uh, when mentioning the gauntlet of quarterbacks they've gone against, he said, and that the defense has, quote, embarrassed all of them. Dak Prescott, 31 of 38 for 255, two touchdowns. <laughs> In a game that was never close. Not at all. 
He walked it back. <laughs> he walked it back yesterday. The word embarrassed was probably not the right choice of words for me at the time. But I have so much faith in our in our team and our defense. You know, I think what he's thinking of is he has a bye this week. And then he plays the Giants in week eight. So I think there's a little bit of that, like, you know, when you're going on like school vacation and you're like, I'm off for for a whole week at Thanksgiving. Like, I'm never going back to school. Like, this is going to last forever. And then before you know it, it's like Sunday morning and you're like, wait, we have to go to school tomorrow? Like, all of a sudden the rent's due. You're like, oh, oh, it was only five days. And like, we were always going back. Like, to, to wrap this together, uh, after the Jets play the Giants, they play Monday Night Football hosting Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So... Full circle. It all just go. It all goes together. Full circle moment. I really, I don't know if I could ever cheer for the Giants, but if Tyrod Taylor just gashed the Jets and the Giants pulled off a win next week, I feel like that would just be funny as heck. That would be uh, with Tyrod in there. It's like you can enjoy it. And, okay, here's a combination. It was Tyrod and those sweet, sweet friggin' uniforms and helmets that the Giants had on. Got to go old I mean, school little Giants helmets. Oh, I mean, I said if they don't wear those for every game they ever play forever, they should be in jail. Jail. They look so good. And something about the night game, the lights off, the helmet, the reflection, that friggin' red stripe just... Just chef's kiss. But you know so what? Good. They wanted to be the Yankees. And they uh, wanted their own NY logo. Well, and that is the logo of Frank Gifford and Sam Huff and Y.A. Tittle. Like that, that was the kind of the original Giants logo. And, and the story goes that when they were playing at Yankee Stadium, that's why they had the NY. When they eventually in the... I want to say 70s when they moved to the Meadowlands because they were renting the Meadowlands from the state of New Jersey. They didn't want the you know, New Jersey didn't want the NY on the helmet. They want something that was more representative. So they put just giants on the side of the helmet. That's how they got that different logo. And remember, it always used to be if you see the old footage of the old Meadowlands, uh, they didn't put a Jets or Giants logo in the middle of the field. They literally just had the big red circle with the with the state of New Jersey. And I think it just said like the Meadowlands of New Jersey or something along those lines. So always found that interesting. Suppose we should bring it back to our teams a little bit. And this is going to be interesting if it continues on this trajectory on how we're going to talk about the Patriots every week. Because I don't want to just depress you every single week and keep saying the same thing. But are you to that point? Like if I gave the option like, Oh, we bounce back a little bit. We're competent, win some games. Don't embarrass ourselves or just, it's just going to suck, but we're going to get a high draft pick. Are you on board now with the, it's time to tank. I want to watch competent football like it doesn't have to be even at this point necessarily good but like second half of the game on on Sunday against the Raiders the Patriots had a drive to open up the second half 
that lasted six and a half minutes, covered 75 yards, it was 10 plays, and they scored a touchdown. The next drive was essentially a three and out, and they punted. The drive after that, 17 plays, nine and a half minutes, 75 yards for a touchdown. So they had two drives that equaled over 15 minutes, so over a quarter of play just in the second half alone on two drives. The other two drives combined didn't last two minutes. Like we need less of the the 36 second drives and more of the I mean I don't think nine and a half minutes is but just more seven minute capable drives where the offense is moving and you have some hope. I mean last season the Chicago Bears had almost the perfect not to say tanking because I don't think they were tanking with Justin Fields they just weren't winning football games but they were losing football games but you could see signs of progress. I think that's what I'm rooting for at this point because where we've been the two weeks leading into the Raider game, like I don't want to, I, I I don't want to be there for the season. Like I can't deal with the every single week the experts going. I mean, I'd fire Belichick now. Oh, I'd I'd send him packing tomorrow. Oh, he's done by the end of the season. Like he's never gonna. You know, I don't think anyone would even want it. Mike Florio said that last week. He's like, I don't even know that there'd be a market for him. Maybe t- he said the words. Maybe 10 years ago, there would have been a market for Bill Belichick. 10 years ago, he then won three Super Bowls and went to four in the next five years. 10 years ago, you dunce. But now they're saying, oh, no, it wouldn't even be a market for him. Like, I, I want to get as far away from that. So I think I need a certain level of kind of capable, sprinkle a couple wins in here or there. Because I think we tend to look at, like good teams, even good teams lose more than one game a year. I mean, how often does a team go what used to be fifteen and one, you know, now go sixteen and one? It's still rare. Usually, to get the one seed, you you can have what three losses, sometimes two, yeah. but usually it's like three. Three is a good bet, maybe even four. Even with the bad teams, I mean, how often does a team go winless? It's still rare. I can remember what, two the Lions. What? Lions, the Bay, uh, Browns had one uh, not too long ago. Yeah, the Hugh so it's like, Jackson. It's happened a couple. Yeah, the Hugh Jackson team, you know, and they what, oh, oh, eight Lions, the Matt Millen and before Jim Schwartz. Anyway, uh, so like even that doesn't happen very often. So chances are they're going to win a couple more games this season. You know, it could be the Giants. It could be the, the Broncos. Who knows what the Jets even look like in week 18? I mean, just they're going to win a few. I'd rather they win a couple because I, I just don't see in the DNA of the the team of them going one in 16 i just have a hard time even seeing that but again as bad as it is right now (laughs) anything is on the table so i would like to see some progress but at the same point they're not making the playoffs i don't want them to win seven games but if they were to win you know four towards the end of the season i I think the blueprint is i want to say the 94 patriots I think it was it was Parcel's second season. They won their last five games. You know, at the end of the year, it was like okay, like we start to see a path forward. You know, they had Drew Blood, so he was starting to kind of figure it out. Where they've been really bad his rookie season. The second year started out rough. You know, there was a lot of buzz around the team of like eh, maybe this isn't going to work, and then they just start reeling off wins and finished with five in a row. So going into that next season, where they eventually made the playoffs and lost to Bill Belichick and the Cleveland Browns, you kind of you saw like okay there's something here. Like I need to see even outside of, or regardless of Mac Jones, 
I need to see, okay, like Pop Douglas has something as a slot receiver. I need to see, okay, maybe, you know, whether or not Tyquan Thornton or it's just time to, you know, cut bait and run with him or, you know, the other members of the defense that could step up, the Keon Whites, the Anthony Jennings, the, the different guys like that, that, you know, maybe you can build around for the future. I think that's what it's about is who on this roster can you build around successfully? It'll be telling in the next week or so whether or not they trade Kendrick Bourne anywhere. Had a nice game last week. He's probably one of your best assets in terms of actually getting something back, I would assume. And his name has been floated quite a bit in the last week or so as everybody's kind of looking for receivers. Well, the hard thing, especially at the the timing of this, is that you know, so the Patriots are one and five, coming off three straight losses, and now you play Buffalo this weekend and the Dolphins next weekend. I mean, you're you're one and seven. I mean, pretty much chalk it up to you're one and seven when the trade deadline comes up. So what do you do? I mean, do you start trading the Hunter Henrys, the Kendrick Bournes? You know, um, you start exploring kind of trade value on on certain guys. You know, I mean, I heard today that people would project a third or fourth round pick as compensation for a Josh Uche, who's a free agent at the end of the season, which, I mean, if I'm going to try to build around a young guy, maybe it is an Uche. But at the same time, if you can get a third round pick for him, then I kind of see, I see the path there. That if you're going to build in the future, that's kind of what you need to start assembling. But I think it becomes a balance. Would I trade Bourne? I mean, as good as he's been in flashes, I mean, yeah, probably. Depends on what, what you can get for a haul back for him. But, yeah, it, it, it's a balance. The hard thing is is that you kind of have to chalk up one and seven. I just don't see a path unless – and I'm, I'm trying to write my, my preview for this weekend's game. And, you know, coming up with the, the section of the preview of here's how the Patriots would win is becoming increasingly difficult. You know, how do the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills this week? Well – you kind of need the the Buffalo team that almost lost to the Giants at home against Tyrod Taylor this past week. And what does that Bills team look like? God, I don't really know. But I know it when I see it. Maybe you should just start having fun with it every week. And like, How do they win this week? And so we wake up and we hear rumblings of a possible tornado warning. <laughs> and just Josh make Allen this elaborate to- story. <laughs> I think a couple weeks ago, I may have even done something like that where I was like, okay, so here's how the Patriots win. And it was just, you know, eight pick sixes and they win with a safety. And I mean, hell, my recap this week against the Raiders was compared to the final episode of Seinfeld. Like, there's just, just a ton of, of references and jokes. And I mean, yeah, you got to try to have some fun with it because it is. If you, if you try to go X's nose, like, I don't know if we get there. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's fun. How do we win? I don't know. Mac Jones has to throw like his first touchdown of the season. I was slightly no. annoyed. You were actually competent enough. I had picked up the Raiders defense to stream last week in fantasy. I'm like, oh, what the hell? We only got one turnover out of Mac Jones. <laughs> and they didn't return it for a touchdown. So. I think I said in my uh, game recap, I said, you know, that's either shows improvement or our offense is just getting better at tackling. Could could go either way. Was it... Could be a little of both. He is, let's see, 
Week two against Miami was Mac Jones' highest QBR of the season. 61. Surprisingly, opening week where he had three touchdowns, he only had a QBR of 45. QBR, I will always say, is is just, it's a mystery. Like, it's out of, what, 158.3 or 153.8, you know, something like that. 58.3, I think. But yeah, it's, it's like, it's not what you see. It's it's kind of how you feel about what you see. It's like, okay, well, it's it's certainly not kind to Mac Jones. There's all this weird, like you mentioned, the Bill Belichick talk and Willie, won't he go? Does anybody want him? And in the meantime, there's also rumors this week about Rex Ryan coming in to take over the defense for the Broncos midseason. And I'm like, what? Am I? And I go scroll back up. I'm like, am I reading a current story? Where's the date on right. this? Or right. did it's I like click? You're on Facebook and you see something. You go, wait, this this has to be from four years ago. Like, what what are we looking at? It's just bizarre. What's happening? And a lot of mediocre football. At least this past weekend, there was a lot of bad games, and bad quarterbacks, and I loved. Like Kirk Cousins is just fully sticking it to the Vikings right now. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to waive my no trade clause. I'm good, which you can understand to an extent like, oh, sure. I'm going into a contract year. I don't want to roll the dice going to an unknown playbook with an unknown coach trying to make my money. And not only does he's okay, I'm not going to waive the no trade clause, but then goes out and wins. And they're like, you son of a bitch. We are trying to get your replacement. Because he ain't in that building. I mean, as we know, like we've seen enough Kellen Mond in the preseason. Like we, we know at this point. Yeah, I get it. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I don't want to go either. Because what, you're going to go to Atlanta? I feel like that's the only team that you could probably talk him into. Like, dude, look at this division. Look, look at this division, bud. It does look at this running back cousins locale just because he could go dominate the AFC South for like the next, yeah, ten years or whatever it is. Yeah, he's got Bijan Robinson. Doesn't have much of a line. He's got two good tight ends, one good receiver. Yeah, I mean that's probably enough. They can just keep drafting defense every year. Yeah. That seems like the only place. I feel like the Jets are out of the quarterback market right now. (laughs) Like Zach Wilson winning games. That leaves Atlanta, who I think every week you watch. And Lamar didn't have a fantastic game this past week, but still. Just like, yep. All these guys who think they're just overthinkers. Like, you're playing Madden. They're like, oh, you could get Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'll take him. Don't care. What do you want? Okay, here you go. Like, no, we really want to test out this Desmond Ritter thing. I know he looked awful at the end of last season, but we see something in him. We do feel like we're kind of at a, a low of quarterback play in a way, and... That's one that I mean, I thought of earlier. I was like, 
wait, should the Patriots have made a run, a stronger run at Lamar Jackson? And I was like, oh, sh-, you know, kind of like when uh, when Kevin trades the uh, iPod for his foot bath. And it's like, oh, maybe I should have kept the iPod because I could have paid $30 and bought a new foot bath. He's like, oh, shoot. Like, I meant to. I, I meant to get Lamar Jackson, but instead I'm starting Ryan Tannehill. It's like, ah. Like, Me- that, that and feels meanwhile, worse. the one team that everybody laughed at and pointed and made fun of, the Houston Texans, after they traded on draft day to get back in there to get C.J. Stroud, just like that, they're 3-3. Three and three. I think Houston is going to make the playoffs. Just put it out there. A little outside, look at the schedule. I'll bring it up here in a second. But do it. Will Anderson do it. Do it loss. Will Anderson looks really good. And CJ Stroud is having one of the best rookie seasons of recent memory. And comparatively to some of the other rookies who had great first years like a Dak Prescott, CJ Stroud's doing it with pretty much zero weapons of notoriety. Unbelievable. Okay, Texans schedule going forward. Panthers. Win. Buccaneers at home. Maybe a win. I'll I'll give, I'll give I'll benefit of the doubt. I'll give you a win. Yeah. I don't I don't trust the Buccaneers. Bengals. Loss, Loss. probably. Cardinals. Hmm. That's a win. They're tanking. We'll, we'll get, uh, I mean, Kyler Murray's practicing and could be activated in the next 21 days. His window Maybe. is now open. James Conner uh, I mean, on the IR right now. Yeah, Kyler comes off. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big I'm going to give him guy, a win but... for argument's right, we'll, sake. We'll, we'll give him a win. Jaguars at home. Loss. Okay. Broncos. Win. Jets. Loss. Titans. I'll give them the win. That feels like one where it's like, wait. They play them twice. I bet they split them. Yeah, they're probably going to split them. So where's this one? Houston or Tennessee? Tennessee. All right, loss. Browns. Probably a loss. Christmas Eve. I'm going to go loss. That, That defense is really good. Titans, second game. Win. And they close it out against the Colts. Just doing that puts us, I believe that puts my count at 10 wins. Okay. I mean, that's not a bad schedule right there. I I think, I mean, you have to keep what you're doing. Tank Dell's been injured. Uh, You got to get Damian Pierce going. It's been weird that they've had the success they have, and Damian Pierce has been such kind of a small part of that offense. Yeah, I mean, I see the path. I don't think they're winning the division, so they're getting in as, obviously as a wild card. I think they could steal that division too. But I mean, I could it, be just a little it, too jazzed. It could up. be it could be stolen, but I think Jacksonville's starting to figure it out. They're they're becoming. I think the overreaction to Lawrence now. I, w- I want him to be healthy. I mean, we, we saw him with the knee brace at practice this week, so you got to hope that he's healthy going forward. But. So you're trusting in the con leadership. 
No, I'm trusting in in Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and and Travis Etienne and and Tank Bigsby and Calvin Ridley. Etienne has been awesome these last few weeks. Yeah, he's he's just really really good. And the fact you know he and Lawrence played college together at Clemson, and you know Josh Allen's emerging as uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the argument of who the best Josh Allen in the NFL is is getting a little tighter. Josh Allen of the Jaguars playing really well, so. Um, yeah, I just believe in that Jags team. I think they're the young team that kind of stumbled out of the gate. They're starting to find it. They have health, especially under Trevor Lawrence. I still think they win that division. But, no, you make a good point that Houston, Houston's way ahead of schedule. Can they keep it up? It, it's hard because they are. It, we didn't see this coming out of them. But it is it is fascinating to see what a team can do by bringing in immediately two or three big impact, you know, because, I mean, they also hit on, you know, Tank Dell was a receiver they think they got in, what, the fourth round that I know a lot of Patriot evaluators were uh, really interested in him as being that kind of speedster um, steal of the draft, and he ended up going to the, the Texans. The other one was Henry To'o from Alabama. You know, an experienced linebacker people thought was kind of a slower thumper type. He's been outstanding for him, and has been starting a lot of games for the Texans, so – you know, credit to Nick Casario in that front office because it, it looks like they probably hit on four picks in this draft. Everybody mocked him, and it's now it was, what five weeks move. in? Yeah, five weeks in. You got he's playing so well, CJ Stroud, that it's getting Frank Reich to just throw the Colts ownership in front office under the bus completely. Like, yeah, you know. They wanted a guy. We wanted a guy. They got their guy. More or less. I'm paraphrasing. Well, now Richardson's out for the season electing. It's so odd how that came out that they're like, well, he may need surgery. It was like, well, he may, if he elects to have surgery, he's going to miss the season. And he elected to have the surgery. Like, it very much felt like the Colts PR staff was like, we're going to put this all on Richardson's shoulders, that it's his decision. Like, we wanted him to play all season. He decided he didn't want to. It's like, well, he's having a surgery on an injury as a rookie. Speaking of which, Frank Reich has handed over offensive play calling duties. I don't think Did, that's uh, that's the biggest problem for the Carolina Panthers. Who do, you, who do you hand him off to? Dallas Clark? Thomas Brown, the offensive oh, coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, Thomas Brown. Bryce Young, super excited about it. Um. Yeah, the the Bryce Young thing. It's it doesn't look great. Now talk about a kid. There's nothing around him. I mean that that is a roster as we talk about the Patriots and and how bad it could be. And it's I mean it's 100 percent because I know the Patriots roster you know very well. I don't know anyone on the the Carolina Panther roster. I mean that does not just burns on the an, defensive an, side. Oh my goodness. And and how long I mean, he's one that I expect to be traded in the next couple of weeks. There was kind of the holdout in training camp and now I mean they're where they are. Don't you just you need more draft capital? And they're one, you know, they don't have their first round pick, but if they did and were picking in the top five, are they looking at another quarterback after picking one number one last year? Uh, I think it's too early. Uh, again, we, we've been over this a lot where you take one of the top five, I don't think you can just take another one the next season. You know, unless you can swing some sort of deal and know you're getting a Caleb Williams or something, but isn't that one of those where you're looking at it and you're like, God, I know like the new way of thinking is, Hey, 
rookie quarterback can play, you get him in there to get the reps. But at some point, you got to look and be like, guys, there's nothing here, no line, no real weapons. Maybe we should let this kid sit for a while. Let Andy Dalton take a beating. Let him come in at the end of the year to spark a little, you know, maybe a little bit of excitement for the fans. But now you're stuck because you can't pull him and destroy the confidence. But you really shouldn't just leave him in there to get the crud kicked out of him every single week. Well, I mean, not that long ago, you know, it was kind of like if you were a number one pick at quarterback, you, you might were starting play. one. And, may, and that was still like, oh, probably. Right. Not it, guaranteed. It probably, probably you're going to be the starter because chances are, if you have the number one pick, your team isn't very good and you or, need to sell jerseys and you need people to get excited about your franchise. So, oh, you just drafted Peyton Manning. You're going to start Peyton Manning. Like, yeah. is he ready? Or ah, you're waiting, you know, uh, what, Baker Mayfield waited behind Tyrod Taylor, what, five weeks maybe? Yeah. It was like Something a like that. Yeah. Something like that. Like, oh, he'll sit the first few weeks. Well, I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, he started kind of coming into games midway through the season, started late in the year, Flacco got hurt. You know, it was kind of forced into the starting role, and they looked at it and said, look, there's enough here. He can be the starter going forward, but they didn't put him in week one. I mean, Patrick Mahomes set out his almost entire rookie season. He got one start, I believe, at the end of the year and played behind Alex Smith. There's a history of this, and now, I mean, to a point, I wasn't sure until training camp when we got another look at Cam Newton and said, okay, we, we can't do this again. But I was like, is it best for Mac Jones just to start the season at quarterback? Probably not. And if they had a guy, like say the Patriots had the version of Alex Smith in 2021, would Mac Jones have been the week one starter? I doubt it. I tend to think, I tend to think probably not. I, I think the hope is that he becomes the starter, but that sort of winning the role and uh, I don't know. It's somewhere Cam Newton couldn't quite now hold on to it. Well, and now if you're a first round quarterback, the expectation is you start week one. You know, I mean trying to think of it well okay maybe the greatest latest and greatest example is two in miami remember the whole yeah. timeshare with fitzpatrick and flores would uh, we're gonna start fitzpatrick this week and next then he'd start Tua, and you know then he'd bring fitzpatrick in in the second half and it was you know kind of this frankenstein back and forth but um yeah i don't know I, th- I think with some of these quarterbacks like i was stunned really when the colts said that richardson was the starter week one i was like they knew it was a project. I mean, he was projected to go almost in the second round, and then a month out of the draft, all the evaluators went, I think someone's going to take him in the top 10. And then he became the top, what, five, and he ended up getting picked right around there by the Colts. You knew someone was going to fall in love with him, but you have to know, like, it was going to be kind of a project, and I think it's what we saw this year. Great glimpses from Anthony Richardson. Sure. But, but also not a great sign when so much of it was dependent on running and you got hurt twice in, you know, four weeks. Well, it's just because I think it came down to decision-making too. He wasn't making smart decisions when he ran or how he ran and, and reaped the consequence. And maybe he hopefully learned from that, but we're still seeing some of the erraticness as well. So it's like, if he sits out a few weeks, maybe he kind of observes a little bit more of the NFL, but it's water over a dam now. I think I was listening to, 
was probably Simmons this week who said felt like the Colts, if they could, should kind of do like everyone does in baseball now, and they should have someone else to start the game so they can just bring Gardner Minshew in partway through. Like, just not the first series. Don't let him start, and he just mops up. Gardner Minshew's great in relief, not as good as a starter. It's not a terrible idea, and I can think of a few other teams that could probably do that. And and you look at where, like, Mac Jones has been recently. You know, would it help to have a Brian Hoyer go out and just kind of take the first couple drives, first first two, just bring him in nondescriptly 14 minutes, you know, into the first quarter or something. But The Red Sox had to do that this year with, uh, what's his name? Everyone's doing it now. It's amazing how many teams only have two to three starting pitchers, and then it's, oh, it's a bullpen day. I mean, when – Tampa Bay started that like four years ago, five years ago. I remember look watching these games go like, what the heck? Like, how is this yeah, going to work? The guy for like, the Red Sox, it was like, oh, someone would come in, pitch the first inning, maybe two, and then he would go six. Yeah, Nick Pavetta for a, that, a chunk of the you. year. Nick, Nick, Nick Pavetta was coming into the second inning, and he had had this horrible run where he was giving up runs in the first inning and was just really, really struggling. They sent him to the bullpen, and then they sort of like – slowly integrated him back into the rotation, but by doing so, it was, all right, so Josh Winkowski's going to pitch one, or Brandon Bernardino is going to pitch one, and then Pavetta would come in for six and just shove. You're like, oh, all right, apparently he just does like the long warm-up before the game or something like that. What do you think Nolan Ryan's thinking? (laughs) Wussies. Yeah. Can't handle the first inning. I was I mean, throwing no one... 85 when I was 70, throwing out first pitches. No, like I used to throw 185 pitches and then pitch again three days later. And then go out to the bar. <laughs> I mean, well, it, it, so I just read uh, John Smoltz's book, Starting and Closing, and he talked about games he pitched in the 90s. I mean, this is John Smoltz, great Hall of Fame pitcher, you know, 96 Cy Young. And he's talking about games he was throwing in the mid nineties where he was throwing 135, 145, 150 pitches. I mean, we sort of forget that it's really the last 20 years where they're like, all right, hundred, that's the, that's the cap. Even if you're an elite pitcher, we're going to get you out at a hundred. And now it's all right. Two trips through the lineup. However many that is two trips up oh, four innings and you've thrown 81 pitches. Yep. That's enough. We don't want them to get a third look at you. It's like, Okay. It's almost like the old timers argument, like in the NBA, where it's like, oh, you have to play games for your body to get used, right, to being able to not get hurt playing games. Like, you play eighty-two, your body gets used to it. You play five games, then you sit out a week, your body doesn't adjust, and that's why more people get hurt. Well, old timers say that. It, I don't, I don't think they have the science to back that up, but there's definitely a theory to it. No, but I mean, I think the theory, too, is kind of the start and stop nature of it. I mean, if you're playing a game every three days, your body gets pretty accustomed to playing a game every three days or two on weekends and two during the week or whatever it is. Then, yeah, if you take 10 days and you don't, you know, it's like uh, they say in pro, you know, you're in ring shape. You know, there's a difference between being in good cardiovascular shape or being in, in good condition, and then there's being ring shape. You got to be in condition. Of what you are actually doing, you can only emulate that so much on a stairmaster. So not as much for 
for us to talk about this week with our teams. My team's on a bye week. Sterling's team's got Buffalo. Are you headed to uh, Massachusetts not, for that one? I'm not. This is going to be the first uh, home game of the season that I've missed, and uh, I'm I'm very okay with that. I'm very, very okay with it. Uh, was if not they a, win, not a great scene there. you know if they win, you become the bad luck guy. I might be the bad luck guy if they, they somehow pull this out because I will be there uh, whatever it is. So this is week seven. Week eight is at Miami, and then week nine is home for Washington. I'll be there for that one. You might have a chance with the commanders. Yeah, I like to think that that one will be a competitive football game. It'll be a weird one. You know, just playing the Commanders, playing it. Anytime you play like an out of con- like seeing the Saints Patriots was an odd sight. You know, it's just not. There, there's certain games like watching the clips of Seahawks and Bengals the other day. I was like, have these two teams ever played before? I'm like, I don't think this this matchup has ever happened. Uh, so, feels yeah, like no, that was uh, a missed well, Super Bowl. Yeah, because we should have had that. The Atlanta year? When did they lose on the horrendous non-pass interference call? Wait, I think you're 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 mixing this up now. Because it should have the Saints should have from that. That was the Nicole Roby Coleman yeah. uh clear clear PI against the Saints. So the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah. So that would have been Super Bowl fifty three. So yeah, that that that's when they would have played in the Super Bowl. It does seem strange that they never played in the Super Bowl. That we played the Rams twice, the Eagles twice, you know, the Panthers. Yeah. Looking at it. Falcons. You would say, God, Seahawks. Saints really underdelivered, only making it big time. The two times or one time. I, 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 going back to what I said about Herbert, where it's like, you know, I just don't sort of like get it. Is you know how did the Saints only go to one Super Bowl? Go to not win. They only went to one Super Bowl. Yeah. And how did during that same period of time? We'll, we'll look at the Brady era like it's the Jordan era because it's the modern day equivalent. The Packers only went to one. Like they were in the opposite conference. Who were they losing to? I mean, I, I get in the AFC. I mean, Peyton Manning went to four. Roethlisberger went to three. Brady went to what nine, and then he went to one in the NFC. Who was going to all these Super Bowls? I mean, I mean, I know Russ went to two, Eli went to two, and then it's just it's so many one-offs. It's Jared Goff, it's Matt Ryan, it's Nick Foles, and Let's see. think of okay. I mean, Matt Hasselbeck went to one. So, two thousand six. Oh, yeah, they lost the Chicago Bears. Rex Grossman. That should have been a trip. Uh, Didn't go again until 2009, win the Super Bowl against the Colts. 2010, lost to Seattle, wild card round. That that was the beast quake. Yeah. 2011, lost in the division round of the 49ers, who I believe went on to the Super Bowl. Yes, that was well an eleven. Yeah, that was the 
No, that was the year they lost to the Giants in the NFC title mm. game. And then the Giants won the Super Bowl. 2013, so they missed it in 2012. 2013, lost in the division round to the Seahawks. Okay, more defensible at that point. Weren't in the playoffs again for three years. 2017, lose in the divisional round to the Vikings. The Hail Mary to win it. Oh, that's right. Yep, the the Minnesota Miracle. 2018, lose in overtime to the Rams. Yep, that's the one should have been the, the P.I. Should, yep. have, should have gone to the Super Bowl. 2019. Ne- Vikings. Lost to the Vikings in overtime. At home. Yeah. And 2020, lost in the divisional round to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's right. That was the one where they were 2-0 and against Tom Brady, and then Brady beat him in uh, the divisional round. The, the staggering thing, not so much the fact that the number of times that they were bounced in the playoffs, but people forget all the years that they were like 7-9 and nine and missed the postseason completely. Yeah, I was not. I was expecting more. Like that gap from yeah. 2013 to 2017, I didn't remember that gap in there. Because it always felt like they were they were always a contender. They're kind of like Pittsburgh or Baltimore where you're like, oh, yeah, like they go to the playoffs every year, right? And then you look at it, I mean, maybe they didn't. But in that division, no, I mean, there's the year where the Falcons are good. I mean, the Falcons went to a Super Bowl. Uh, the Panthers went to a Super Bowl. I mean, right, that division way. was switching every single year. Every year it was someone different. Uh, I mean, really, except Jameis. Jameis never really, you know, took took anybody anywhere. But yeah, when you think of this, that Jameis, uh, that Cam Newton took the Panthers to as many Super Bowls as Drew Brees took the Saints. Didn't win, but he went. You know, Matt Ryan took the Falcons to the same amount that the Saints did. Tom Brady took the Buccaneers to the same amount that Drew Brees took the Saints to. And the same for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they were dominating that division. I mean, believe me, as a Patriots fan, I understand when you're automatically in the playoffs by winning your division, so you're having a home playoff game every single year and competing for a bye, it is way easier than if you're running a gauntlet every season. I mean, who was Aaron Rodgers' competition? There was, what, one year the Bears were good, a couple of years the Vikings were competent, and the Lions were terrible until last year. So what is the Packers' rationale for only making one Super Bowl? God, they got crushed by the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I didn't remember it that lopsided. But yeah, the Saints were only 11-7. and seven. Bears were 15-3. and three. They lost 39-14. to 14. Holy crud. Didn't remember it that way. Mm. Well, and, and think of this, too, as we continuously just bury the Saints, which feels great after last week's game. Which, by the way, um, they just not to interrupt, 39-14, to 14, they lost. In that game, Rex Grossman, 11 for 26 for 144 and a touchdown. Dear God. Rex Grossman took the Bears to as many Super Bowls as Drew Brees took the, the Saints. Todd. That was peak Thomas Jones rushing the football. Yeah, I was going to say, try to name a lot of guys off of that offense. It is uh, very difficult. 
Thomas Jones rushed for 123 yards on 19 carries. Cedric Benson had 24 carries for 60. They had three touchdowns. Yes. Didn't do much. That that might be the only receiver I could name off of that team. I mean, besides obviously Hester, but I mean, wasn't really playing a lot of offense there. Yeah, no catches in this game that I'm looking at. For New Orleans, Reggie Bush, four carries for 19 yards. Deuce McAllister, six for 18. Mike Mike Carney, one for 11. Drew Brees threw for 354 yards, two tutties. Who's he throwing to? Like Colston and was uh, Shockey wasn't there yet? Uh, Devery Henderson. Devery Henderson. Let's see. That's the only one I remember. Let me look. Uh, Billy Miller, Terrence Cooper, Mark Campbell. Dang. That is a uh, that is an early, I mean, because that was, what, the first year he was with the Saints? Reggie Second Bush year, did have seven catches for 132 yards in this game. Okay. Okay. Hmm. No, that's an interesting one. I mean, you can name way more Bears off that defense. You know, obviously, Erlacher and Lance Briggs and Tank Johnson and you know, Peanut Tillman and that was a good unit. I like that. Maybe Tom, we need to just do a uh, we'll do a deep dive on like some random team every year, like I mean, or a random game for, or a random game, like something, something. Because because I like this, just trying to name guys. It, it fits in with the whole immaculate grid thing every day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're still. By the way, I'm so hyped after seeing the creamsicle uniforms the Buccaneers wore last week. I am so psyched up for the Vinny Testaverde 1988 episode. Right on. Cannot wait. God, like I, I've kind of had the ambition that I would love to write a book someday, but I've never like had the topic that I was like, yeah, that's what I want to research. Testaverde 88 may be up there. Like this may be the impetus of writing a book. No connection to it at all. Just am fascinated. Need to know more. Remember when Peanut Tillman had 10 forced fumbles in one season? It's when he invented the peanut punch. Man. All right. Done with that side trend. (laughs) It got wonky this week. Well, my team's on a bye. Sterling's is in the toilet. We had some adventures this week. Uh, We'll be back next week. Sterling, where can they find all your writing? Sterlingpingree.substack.com. I'm doing a Patriots preview every Friday morning. already started for this week. Uh, And then a Patriots recap the morning after the game. They've been going out 6 a.m. like clockwork every – well, it's been every Monday because that's when they played. But uh, the morning after the game. So, yeah, look for that. I, I don't bombard you. Just subscribe for free. We'll be back next week with the NSO pod. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.